Today's episode is sponsored by our friends at Miller's Law, a veteran-founded and run law firm. Miller's Law is giving back to the community that gives so much by making an incredible special offer to our listeners. For the next 30 days, Miller's Law is offering veterans and first responders a family will and power of attorney for only $299. Typically, a will in POA can cost over $2,000. That's a $1,700 savings. This offer is a meaningful way to say thank you for your service for all veterans and first responders. To take advantage of this amazing gift, don't wait. Go to millerslaw.com, M-I-L-L-A-R-S law.com, or email them at info at millerslaw.com. If you prefer to phone, you can call toll-free 1-888-855-5547. That's 1-888-855-5547. Don't delay. Do it today. Tango Romeo, we are on a mission to save lives and relieve pain by making help for PTS injuries easily accessible with a vision of a world where the path to recovery is clear. I am your OPSO, Mark Meinke, and this is Operation Tango Romeo, the Trauma Recovery Podcast. Thanks for making the time, brother. Appreciate you being on here. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. You betcha. Let's uh, just start with the basics, man. Uh, sure. Ruck to, to remember. To remember. Uh, what's it about? How to get started? Sure. So Ruck to Remember is a, a not-for-profit organization um, that was stood up to support veterans that are either experiencing or facing homelessness. Um, so we've been going at this since 2014 um, was our first major event. Um and, you know, it was basically birthed out of concern for, for that cause. Um, the first event we did, actually, we didn't know whether or not it was going to be an annual thing. Um, we decided that we were going to do two kilometers for uh, every veteran that we lost in the global war on terror. On terror. So we got bricks engraved um, with their names and their rank in their home cities, loaded those into rucksacks, and a bunch of us took them from uh, Hamilton to Perry Sound. So a bit of a trek, 314, 15, 16K, um, somewhere in that range. And uh, that was a bit of a doozy. Um, and the first one, we were raising money for a, a different organization. And uh, it was rough. It was like we had, we had organized it out of like, <laughs> you know, out of our garage kind of thing. And uh, so took some lessons learned and sort of evolved. And we've been doing it every year since. So are you re- raising funds for uh, another organization that's actually dealing with homelessness or are you dealing with it directly yourself? Yeah, so a little bit of both. Um, the, uh, so the main event that we run every year is the Road to Recovery, which is that, that long rock that we do. Um, it continues um, every year at 2K for everyone that we lost the year before. Um, and that event raises funds for Operation Leave the Streets Behind. So Operation Leave the Streets Behind is a charity that's run by the Royal Canadian Legion. Um, and they're a transition program. So they do two things primarily. One, um, if they find veterans that are on the streets and homeless, they work to get them off the streets, um, get them into hotels temporarily until they find them housing, get their benefits set up, um, and get them stable, set up with like house kits, that kind of stuff. Um, and then if there's 
you know, vets that are on the brink, basically, um, it might end up in a really bad spot financially, then they reach out to help them and make sure that that doesn't occur. So, um, you know, when we were looking for an organization to commit to for this event year after year, um, the big thing was like financial transparency and like longevity of the program. Cause there's lots of like fix it programs where it's like you go out and you find people and you, you kind of patch them up where they are and send them back on your way. And that's not really what we wanted. We wanted to like actually solve a problem. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they were able to provide that and they give us like regular financial updates, like down to the individuals that are being helped. Um, so those are all big wins. And, uh, and yeah. And then, you know, we also have like a rock for the homeless that we do and that's more like direct outreach. So we'll go out and find people and get them what they need in the moment. Well, that's fantastic. And isn't it crazy that after two years and 133 episodes, I had no idea about the Legion's program of leave the streets behind. That's, um, that's a marketing error, I think. <laughs> yeah, they're, uh, you know, I, I love the Legion. Um, they're, they're not as marketing savvy, perhaps, uh, as, as I would prefer. But yeah, um, you know, they've been running it for, gosh, I don't know when it stood up initially. I want to say like 2010, somewhere in there. Um, I don't know that it's in every, um, in every like regional command. So it may not be out Alberta way. I'm not sure. I'd have to go double check. Um, well, it I've started checked. an Ontario command. Um, and then some others have picked it up along the way. We, uh, we got a big plan in 2023 to make sure that it gets spread across the country. Um, that I've sort of been seeding. We're going to, we're working on doing a cross country ruck where we'll be able to like hit every, you know, every province and every command and help raise funds respectively to either get it started. If it's not already started there and give them like a nest egg um, or contribute if it already is. Uh, but that's still in the early planning stages. That'll be a, a year long endeavor. So that's down the road. My soapbox lately has been about compassion and empathy for people who are experiencing homelessness. And oh, okay. cool. uh, I've, I've done a few bits on it. From your perspective, what is it about the veteran community that uh, has a chunk of us on the streets? Oh, man. Um, it really kind of depends on the generation you're talking about, to be honest. So, like, a lot of the guys that we find that are out there are, like, you know, Yugoslavia-era kind of veterans. Um, and in a lot of cases in those, it's like they don't get the uh, like they don't get the attention, right? So, like, there's there's basically, like, the world wars, and like everyone's like, yeah, we gotta we gotta make sure those guys are taken care of, right? And then there's like this big quiet time until we get to like Afghanistan and you know the global war on terror. So a lot of the guys that we find are in the middle, right? So they fell on hard times because like their war wasn't like the cool war as far as like the media is concerned or as far as like civilians are concerned. Well, people you know, still so think it's it, harder for them to reach out. People still don't understand um, what a peacekeeping mission is. And it wasn't peacekeeping, yeah. uh, was for the first few years. And then after 95, it wasn't, it was all NATO. But people right. don't understand the scope of the mission or what it was like. Yeah. I mean, can it, our, our culture around like veteran appreciation in Canada is not super strong. Um, so like there's an education piece for sure that's missing that like leads to a lot of that. Um, and I mean, there's some pride that goes into it as well. Um, you know, you, you spend a good chunk of your life being like really self-reliant and, you know, being able to take care of everything. And then you get kind of thrust into an entirely different environment without necessarily the supports or transition tools that, you know, would make that a smooth transition. And uh, you don't want to help. You want to believe that you can take care of it yourself. And, you know, it only takes one or two decisions, like bad decisions to kind of really find yourself, you know, on the streets with nothing. 
you know. And that's why uh, the Veterans Association Food Bank was stood up in Calgary yeah. here. Uh, the first of its kind, really, of a, like a legit food bank, not just a closet with a couple of soup cans in it. Right. But uh, like a real food bank. And it's more than that. There's furniture, there's support services, there's peer support. Uh, it's a spectacular organization. Um, but it was the first of its kind in the country. And there's um, there's a second uh, veterans food bank run by uh, somebody else. I don't know much about it, but it's also in Calgary. It's just, uh, Calgary is just an interesting spot. Um, but uh, the Veterans Association Food Bank is now stood up in Edmonton as well. And uh, some of the famous veterans like uh, Brock Blazcheck is involved with that. And um, what I was uh, looking for there is, what people don't understand, like, why is it that there's veterans on the streets and why is there one in five uh, homeless in the States? Why are they veterans? Uh, it's trauma. Actually, that's why everybody's on the streets. It's trauma causing um, uh, mental, like, with mental injury, mental illness, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but PTSD is a injury, you know, is, is more accurate than calling it an illness. It is a neurological damage that's been done uh, no, uh, similar to a TBI uh, traumatic right. brain injury but uh, with that holding a job is extremely difficult and uh, once you've lost a job then another job and then another job and you can't seem to keep one for more than two to six months uh, at some point in time you just stop trying because the rejection of losing those jobs again and again is just too demoralizing to to keep going and poof, you're homeless. And there's different levels of homelessness as well. I was wondering if you could speak to that. Yeah, I mean, so from from our perspective, there's like we we tend to view it in like three lanes, right? So there's there's crisis management. So there's people who are like in a really bad way um, that need either like mental supports or addiction supports to keep them from you know basically making a, a real final decision, if you know what I mean. Um, and then there's there's suicide, man. Just say it. That's yeah, that, that's I half mean, the problem with stigma right there is people don't even want to say the word. At, yeah, um, I, it's, uh, it ends it's up true, in suicide. Right? And a, a lot of these guys, like, you know, you don't, like, you know, I, I do a fair amount of homeless work outside of even the not-for-profit. And, I mean, you only got to pull people out of, you know, stairwells and ditches so many times before you realize what's going on, right? Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, it's it's not a good scene. Things get real bad, and especially for guys, Um not to be like too, you know, whatever about it, but it's a real problem for men, right? I mean, suicide is so bad amongst men that it's the primary reason why our life expectancy is lower than women, you know, and that's not a thing that people like even talk about, but yeah, I mean, so the, the first piece is crisis management, right? Like let's keep people from killing themselves. Um, and then the second is, is sort of like the management piece, right? So there, there's a, a chunk of the homeless population and a sizable actually of the veteran homeless population where they're like, you know what? I'd just rather be on the streets. This is just my preference. Right. And the reasons for that are, are manifold, right? It might be that, you know, there's like issues at home and family or the family's broken apart and he just doesn't want to deal with it. Um, or, you know, doesn't want to deal with like society and like the, the, the shit that he sees going on, pardon my French. And, you know, whatever the case may be, but you'll run into those guys, right? And we've run into them a bunch of times. We're like, hey, you know, we got these supports. We can get you off the streets. We'll get you a place to live. And they're like, I'm good, man. Like, you know, some, some food and whatever is going to be good, but I'm, you know, I'm happy where I am. Um, 
And then the third um, is like the transition piece, right? So the people who have decided that they don't want to be homeless anymore, right? But they don't know how, right? A big, a big common problem. And you're starting to see this get addressed more, which is great. But it's, it's hard to get people off the streets if they don't have an address, right? So everyone talks about Canada's vaunted social safety net. Right. So, okay. Like there's, there's lots of supports we can get people, but like you need, like you need ID, you need documentation, like, and, and you need a place for us to send stuff. So if that doesn't exist, that can be really bad for folks. Right. And oftentimes it's even like trying to get them their military benefits. It's like, man, I don't have any of my, you know, I've been homeless for 12 years. Like I don't have any military ID. So you got to go find it and, you know, get all that stuff set up for them. So like those are sort of the three lanes that, that we look at homeless, the, the homeless problem in. Right? Yeah, I mean, if they can find their service number or their social insurance number, that's all you need mm-hmm. you know, to, if you have access yeah. to, the, to, to the system. And from there, if you can get them to, you know, help me help you sort of situation, uh, they can start to receive uh, um, benefits that at least cover groceries. That's it. Yeah, it's 100% right. And I mean, the, the service officers at the Legion are pretty good at finding that stuff um, and, and getting that squared away. So then, you know, Operation Leave the Streets Behind can get them an address, right? So it's like, okay, you know, we found you in the system, like, we know where you served, we can get you your benefits, you know, we got a place where you can stay until, you know, we get some money coming in, or we can get first and last, you have enough to pay your rent going forward, you know, and now suddenly they're in a better place, right? You kind of cover them until, you know, they're clean if that's the issue um, or until they find work and we help them find that work. And, uh, you know, and then that's, you know, one, two, three, 10, 50 people that aren't on the streets anymore because they decided that's where they don't want to be. And we were able to find them, but you know, unfortunately we don't, we don't find everybody, right. The numbers that we have are, are only based on what we're able to identify in like shelters and outreach and whatnot. So who knows what the real number is out there? Well, that's it. Um, it's it's tough. Like at uh, one point, there was a count in Calgary, and they guessed it to be around 165 veterans on the streets. But it's it's really tough to get those numbers. Yeah, I'd yeah. like to um, uh, comment on the idea of people that choose to be on the streets. That there's a real misunderstanding of what that means. Um, people treat themselves according to their self-concept. In other words, if you feel that you're a 2 out of 10, you treat yourself like a 2 out of 10. If you, if you think that you are, uh, if you, uh, you have a label on yourself like druggie or bum, then you treat yourself like a druggie or a bum. And yeah. uh, so when somebody's saying, no, I choose to, uh, to be here, what they're actually saying is, I've given up on trying to feel like I'm worth more than this. That's what they're actually saying. It's not actually a choice. It's a, um, it's, it's defeat. Yeah. I mean, it's a mindset, right? So is it the, the first thing you need to do is get them to a place where they're willing to say, okay, yeah, I deserve better. Right. And you know, the, the tough part with that is like, you know, in situations like that, the tough part for us is that often like we're, you know, we're not the ideal place for that to be coming from, right? The, the most success you have is if you can find family or friends who just didn't know where this person went and reach out to them, right? Because that means a lot more than, you know, Joe guy on the street doing outreach, you know, or if you can find somebody who served with him or someone who has an existing connection yeah. that can, you know, make him remember or realize that like, you know, not only are you deserving of more than living on the streets, but like you've done exceptional things in your life. Like you, you shouldn't be out here. Well, a big, big, big part of trauma is a, a lack of connection. 
the mm. lack of the, of connection is the trauma. If you when a baby is born, if that baby is not physically touched, it will die. And it, and that never changes. It's uh, our need for connection with other human beings. But when that connection is always toxic, and sometimes it is the family is a big yep. big part of that. They cause the damn trauma, so the poison isn't the cure. Uh, and and so any connection you've had in your life is cruel and 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 hurtful and painful to you. Well, that's why you're going to isolate yourself. Uh, from everything that you can, you know, and, uh, and, and end up on the streets. Now that's, have you seen the documentary, the wisdom of trauma, trauma with uh, Gabor Mate? No, I haven't seen that one. I it's, it's free online. If you can find it, it's through uh, a website or whatever, but the wisdom of trauma, uh, Gabor Mate, G-A-B-O-R-M-A-T-E, uh, worth watching. And, uh, he gets into this space as well. And I, I believe what he's saying, which is all anybody who's living on the streets, what you're looking at is somebody who's suffering from trauma every time. Sure. Yeah, I believe that. I mean, and the stories are fairly consistent, too, that you hear, right? Like, at least for men, for sure. You know, you talk to them and it's, you know, usually like there's, there's some there's, there's an inciting incident. And often you're right. It's around family. Right. So the one that we hear most often is like the marriage fell apart and you lost the kids. That's, you know, that, that, that seems to be a catalyst often. Right. It's the first thing they tell you. Right. Second. Right. Yeah. You know, I served, I came back, my marriage fell apart, my relationship fell apart. I lost my kids. And then there's depression, you know, depression leads to some sort of substance abuse, which leads to losing their job. And then that's it. Like the, you know, the road is pretty, is, is, is pretty quick from there um, to ending up on the streets. So yeah, I mean a hundred percent and like, trying to fix those relationships or even like fix the, the trust um, at that stage is incredibly difficult. Right. And you got to be persistent and consistent um, while still respecting boundaries, which is a super tough thing. Right. Cause sometimes the first interaction you have with them is, is not great. Like, <laughs> you know, they'll tell you to go F yourself or whatever the case may be because of just, you know, the headspace they're in and what they're dealing with. And, and like you say, the trauma that they're, you know, they're living life under. So, but you keep coming out and they recognize you and eventually you become a familiar face and it gets a little bit easier. So I'd like to learn more about what is outreach because um, the examples you're using are from experiences from performing outreach, but what, what is outreach? Like, how would you describe it, uh, describe it or define it? And um, yeah, let's, let's start there for a bit. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess there, there's different kinds of outreach, right? Um, from my perspective, like real outreach is like is, is consistent and persistent involvement in a community, right? So in this case, because we're dealing with homelessness, it's, it's the homeless community. Um, but that's the goal, right? So like occasionally you'll have, you know, folks that like go do outreach, you know, and it's like, volunteers come out and they go out and do a big thing and what have you. And that's fine. And that's helpful, but that's not really outreach into a community per se. Right. That's putting a, like, that's like putting a little bandage on a sucking chest wound. Like that's not, it's not really what you want to do. So like outreach is taking your, your personal experience and going out and, you know, being like a missionary of sorts into this, this other group, this other subculture. Right. And becoming a, a staple and a pillar and like a um, like a 
like a rock in a sea, right? You want to be that sense of stability that's that's recurring and that they can depend on, right? That's true outreach to me is, you know, being consistently available and out there. When you do that often enough, and sometimes it's like, it's not a short-term thing, right? And it can take, you know, six, seven months, a year, two years of just constantly being out there. But then you start seeing real results. So it's it's forming friendships and bonds and using those to, to help people with whatever it is that they need. So, and and how do you do that? Like, what, what does it actually look like? So you go to the downtown cores, uh, you, you see somebody who's uh, clearly experiencing homelessness. Then what? What do you do? Yeah, I mean, the first thing is a conversation and seeing what they need, right? And trying not to be, like, presumptive and you know, acting better than, you know, is the kind of the, the 30 second spiel that like, I give to people before they come out is like, look, you know, remember these are people like you're not better than them. You're just in a different spot. Don't be right? condescending. So, don't talk to them like they're babies. Right. You know, and you know, don't, this isn't a, a big thing, particularly like for younger people now. Right. It's like, this is, this is not an Instagram moment for you. Right. Like this is this is not about you and showing off to your friends about how much good you're doing. Like if people take their cameras out, they're gone. Like, it's you know, nobody like it's not cool. Right. So like just go out there. Be like, hey, man, you know, how you doing? My name's Lino. You know, what's your name? And it's like, oh, John. Hey, John. Nice to meet you. You know, do you need anything? He's like, yeah, I get, you know, I'm hungry. OK, great. I got some food for you, you know. And, you know, over time, you can like kind of that feel it out and, and see how it goes. Some people are going to be willing to open up right away, which is great. And, you know, that can kind of, you know, speed along the process of, of getting them out of that situation. And some people are just going to be like, nah, I don't really want to talk about it. And you got to respect that, right? Like you're not going to solve everybody's problems right away. And some, you know, you're not even, it's, you're not always going to take home a W, right? You know, there's been more than a couple of times where, you know, there's people that we see all the time and then you either, you know, find them yourself or you hear that, you know, they're dead either from an overdose or their own hand or, you know, getting stabbed or, you know, whatever else the case may be. Like it's not super safe out there. And, uh, but yeah, so you go out and you try to form those relationships as best as you can. And, uh, you know, Hey, you know, I'm going to be back out again in like a week, you know, anything you really need that I didn't, I didn't have today is like, oh, you know, I could use a new pair of work boots. Okay, great. What size, you know, and it's not big stuff, right. But like you become reliable and you do it you know, then it gets a lot easier. Right. And, you know, that also helps you just succeed at doing outreach. Right. Because then people like identify you as being a reliable source of help, you know? So like now John, who you've been talking to and helping for like six months comes to you and is like, Hey, you know, my buddy doesn't like coming out here. You know, and this is another thing, right? It's like, there's, there's usually communities within communities, right? So this is the guys that you see in downtown cores and they're out and they're asking for change and doing their thing. But there are always like communities that you do not see that are filled with people who just don't want to be around people. Right. And they're like in old abandoned factories or like just way out of the way. Right. And you know, you know, you're kind of making progress on the outreach front when you get invited into those spaces. Cause that, that's like home. Right. And, um, yeah, so, like, you know, John might be like, hey, you know, my buddy doesn't like coming out to these things, but he really needs help. You know, can I get, you know, some blankets or coats or whatever for him? Be like, yeah, absolutely. You know, do you want me to give them to you or can I bring them? You know, and you just, you got you keep building that up over time, you know. And then eventually when you have an opportunity and it's like, you know, hey, we got a spot for you or we got a spot open, you know, 
is that, uh, you know, can we get you to, to, a, would you be open to like, you know, coming and staying in a hotel for a while and see if we can get you out of here, you know? And, and are, 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 hopefully you help, say, yeah. are you helping whoever you find or are you looking specifically for veterans when you're doing the outreach? When I'm doing outreach directly, I'm just trying to like, my focus is on veterans simply because I have more tools in the toolkit for them. Um, but I'll help whoever's out there. Yeah. Like if I'm, you know, I'm not going to turn somebody down because they're not. And like, cause oftentimes too, what you run into is like, so people know that like I'm out there and specifically looking for vets. Right. But like, you know, some people will say they're vets and they're not, you know? And so you have a choice to make in that minute, right? It's like, do I, do I keep prodding or do I potentially turn somebody down because they didn't pass whatever litmus test I had like sitting on the street and risk not helping somebody who actually is a veteran. I just misidentified or do I risk helping somebody who wasn't a veteran, you know, and have to deal with that, you know, and and neither of those are good outcomes, but I would much rather like err on the side of helping people. And uh, as a service officer with the Legion, like, do you have access to the database to actually run somebody's name to see if they did serve? Yeah, the service officers do. I'm not a service officer with the Legion. Just But but a service officer has that access. Yeah. So like I have a stack of forms that has the information. Um, so I'll take those out with me and collect whatever information I can um, when I find somebody. And then I'll hand that off to the Legion and then they can look them up. You know, and I'm like the guy on the street <laughs> when I'm doing the outreach and be like, hey, you know, we found this guy. You know, can you get him to come into, you know, a branch or, you know, can you let us know where he stands so we can reach out? And they'll even do that, right? So if there's like a, a guy staying at a shelter and he's there regularly like the service officers will reach out to the shelter and be like, Hey, we understand so-and-so is staying there. We think he's a veteran. We've, we found his service number. You know, can we come down and visit him and see what we can do to get him out of there? And, you know, we've had a number of successes that way, which is fantastic. Well, if you know of anybody that what I've always wanted to do and what I tried to do a few years ago is find somebody that, um, who was a homeless, that was a veteran, was experiencing homelessness, and through the help of a um, uh, of of outreach, you know, a program like yours or or, or another similar to it, um, is now back on their feet. Um, I helped one fella; he wasn't a veteran, but he's back on his feet, and he's got he's got a place to live, and he's got a nice, stable, steady environment. It's pretty cool. But awesome. um, if you know of anyone who would like to share their story, who um, was on that end of it. I would love to have them on the show. What I find is that people feel like they are not seen, like they are invisible because they are people uh, walk by, like it's not even happening. Like people are invisible. My wife and I just spent a week in Victoria. Oh my God. You know, I, it was unbelievable. Uh, It's not the Victoria that it was when I used to live there in the early nineties. And um, all I could think of is, these people need more help. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, they become like, so like the, the people treat them like furniture, right? Yeah. Like they're just, they're just part of the, the landscape, you know, like I went to school in Toronto and you know, you got, you got homeless people sleeping on heat grates out front of giant bank buildings. Right. And like thousands of people just walking past them every day, just straight walking past them. Some people like walking over them. And it's like, I can't, I mean, I just don't understand the mindset. You know, I don't know if I'm just like, I'm not wired that way, but it's like, you know, and it got worse, honestly, when I had a kid, like then it was game over. I couldn't do it. Like that, that's somebody's kid laying there, you know, and you only got to talk to like, you know, to 
so many like moms or dads who have you know lost their kids in in the war and it's like no way absolutely not not acceptable like you know this is this is this is a human being this is somebody's loved one and you know we just got you know humanity walking past them day after day after day after day after day like and some of it i get right like you know they they don't know what to do or you know i i gotta believe that you know a good chunk of that is not that people don't care but i guess it becomes that way right i mean if you see it every day and you know you pass it once and you pass it twice and you know before you know it you're just like well whatever and then like, you talk to people, right? And they're like, well, you know, they choose to be that way. And if they didn't, like, you know, it's like, sometimes, yeah. Yeah, sometimes it's a choice. But usually... But even when not, it's a choice, I, my yeah, argument like said, is it's, it's not, not a choice. Right. No, Nobody chooses that, you know. Um, yeah. Uh, nobody chooses to be a heroin addict. Right. You know, uh, what, they're, <laughs> what they're trying to do is escape trauma escape escape the pain escape um uh the the memories like the the stories that these people have would curl your goddamn toes you know yeah i mean i remember talking to one guy and uh he's walking out of the mall and like clearly in a bad way and uh you know i went to go talk to him find out what happened because he had like dry blood caked on his face and stuff and i'm like hey man what's, what's going on and he's like oh i was staying at the shelter and somebody beat me up and took my dentures mike can you imagine? I can't, I, you know, that kind of stuff just blows me away. I'm like not being able to sleep comfortably. Like even when you have a roof over your head for fear that somebody's going to, you know, knock you out and take your teeth. I, and it only has to happen once and you never get a good night's sleep again. You know, no, if, it happens, sure. if it happens more than once, I mean, there, there's no coming back from that. Yeah. And I mean, and that's why I'm such a big fan, especially for, for veterans that are on the street. I'm such a big fan of these like small communities and like little houses thing that are cropping up like that you see much better results there. Right. And I, and I know that, you know, everybody's like, Oh, I, you know, I hate seeing these homeless encampments and like all these tents, but it's so much safer for those guys. Like they set the rules. Everybody kind of agree. Like you'd, you would be amazed by the kind of culture you know, for lack of a better word, that's there. Like, there's rules. Well, right? if uh, the, you want to stay here in the encampment, you got to abide by them. Uh, and but uh, again, in um, in Calgary, the first in the country, Homes for Heroes with Dave Howard, uh, yeah. uh, a tiny home village for, for for veterans. And yet, the NIMBYs are out in full force. Um, veterans with PTSD, they're going to kill our kids. Like people actually say stuff like this, and oh, I I believe it. The first year we ran the the event, the like long ruck, we had like I was trying to get newspaper coverage of it, right? And like same thing, right? Same thing from like this is from newspapers, right? They're like, there's veterans in our community with PTSD on the street. Do you know where they are? Who are these people? They sound dangerous. And I'm like, you know what? I don't need your help. We'll figure it out, bud. Like the. I don't even know how you get there. Like, it just makes me question people's upbringing. It's terrible. <laughs> I, I don't get it either. Uh, veterans are the ones that sacrificed everything to, right. to protect others. They are your ally, not your foe. Right. And it's also part of the stigma. The, the ignorance is a big part of the stigma of what PTSD is. It doesn't make somebody fucking homicidal. Yeah, I've never, like, I've run into some crazy stuff, but I have never once in, like, all the years of doing this ever run into, 
like a guy or a girl that was dealing with PTSD that was that was homicidal. It's never happened. Like I've had some guys that were like drugged out, like you know, acting like sketchy and like it's not a safe place. Um, but I like those things just aren't related at all in any way. Certainly in my experience that I can find, you know, they're they're more likely to hurt themselves than than they are anything else. I guess that's the uh, the downside of the Rambo movie. The Rambo <laughs> Rambo scenario could happen, but it never has. Right. You know, and I'm actually half surprised it's never happened. <laughs> but but uh, I, I am because I, I've worked with uh, RCMP um, playing the role of the bad guy and they didn't do very well against me at all. Uh, <laughs> it, it didn't work out well for them. It was the, the Earth team as well. But right. uh, so it's like, yeah, we can do that, but we don't. It just it right. does not happen. It's never happened ever. You know, yeah. Um, it's it's the same fear, like people being scared of a gun. It's it's a tool. It's the intent. Without the intent, right. the, the the gun is not a threat to anybody. You have to yeah. want to use it as a tool. A rock is is, is a threat <laughs> um, if if you use it as such. You know, and it's yep. the same with um, yeah. Okay, maybe this veteran has the skills, but I mean that's the and even the ones that do. That's a very very small percentage of the of the veteran community that's just uh combat arms guys and mostly infantry right and there's there's right. not a lot of us out there <laughs> just there's just a handful of us that have that kind of uh background you know yeah but yeah for sure so i mean you know there, there there's that piece and then like the other side of the spectrum is you know a like getting like basically making sure that the people who aren't homeless right now and who are dealing like with their own trauma don't go down that road. Right. So getting rid of the stigma around talking about whatever you're dealing with and being like, you know, knowing that if you'd like, you know, talk to your brothers about it, it's fine. Nobody's going to think that you're, you know, a big fucking pussy or whatever, because you went to therapy. Like that's just not, that's not the world now. Right. It's okay to have issues. Yeah. And so, you know, we try to do stuff like that. Um, you know, I know we've got an, uh, an event coming up on the 13th, which is just that basically, right? I mean, for a handful of it, like 15, 20 guys, you know, get together, have coffee, hang out, have coffee, yeah. <laughs> have coffee, hang out, and, you know, just chat with their, you know, with Thank their you, Arrowhead veteran coffee. brothers, you know, and, uh, you know, hear from people who have kind of gone through some stuff, um, you know, and have have fought those demons and, you know, are, are are on the on the winning side of it now um but hearing that kind of stuff from them is is super helpful right like guys like jody Middick are like huge positive voices you know and because he, he was very transparent about the stuff that he went through right and you know i think it's useful for people to hear you know from from guys who have been through stuff like that and come out on the other side because um, that's the other piece right is prevention you know I, I, ideally, if we're successful, we're never dealing with with this stuff again, and we can close up shop and say there's no homeless people anymore. Like that's you know that's what success looks like. Well, it's it's a big part of what this show is. You know, uh, I'm an aggregate for resources, so anybody looking for help, but also uh, trying to kill the stigma as best as I am able by helping people understand by altering their perception a little bit about homelessness or asking for help in any way. 
you know, um, mm-hmm. picking up that phone the first time, like four or five years ago, whatever it was for me, it's the hardest damn thing. It was a thousand pound telephone. Um, admitting that I'm injured, even after I reached out for help, it took two or three years before I finally admitted, oh my God, yes, I am injured by PTSD. Because I don't want to be injured by that. I don't want to admit that it's true. I, you know, and uh, people do the, all the things that I did, and I see it again and again and again. Well, no, how it couldn't be me because other people had it worse. I could see, you know, if an uh, Afghanistan veteran had PTSD. That makes sense. But, uh, you know, uh, it's not like I was in World War Two or World War One. We, we always trivialize um, our own injuries, our own experiences, and find out ways to, to excuse ourselves from, from being injured. Because we just yeah, don't want to accept that we're injured, but it what we are. Yeah, and I mean, like part of the other the other thing too is that that's important is like te- like educating civilians on the impact that they have on this too, right? Mm. So, like, so I'll give you an example. So, I don't, was it, it was the first year I think again. Yeah, the first year that we did the long rock, we had another charity organization join us from the States, Warrior 360. Great dudes, love them, lots of fun, right? And uh, they're all most, like, I think there is, like, you know, the, the joke on the team was, like, there was 12 of them and six legs between them. And, uh, yeah, they're, they're cracking the best jokes about it. But we're going through Mississauga. And, uh, you know, we all got rucks on. You got, like, a Canadian flag and American flag. And, you know, it's a, it's a show. And uh, it's probably like seven at night, so it's dark, right? And this guy drives by this big line in his Audi, right? And he's like, hey, were you guys in the military? Right? And, uh, you know, the guy at the front, and he lost both of his legs, right? And he's like, yeah. And he's like, did you kill anybody? That's like. That actually, oh, my God. Right? And I mean, you know, like, fortunately, like, like we've all been asked it, right? At, at one point or another, but, uh, but screaming it from a window like that. Oh, I just, and they just have no concept, right? No, no and idea. Like, you know, it's a, it's a thing that, that, that just has to be learned and taught. And, you know, fortunately, like the guy who was used to dealing with that question because, you know, he, he was running his own charity and like, he gets it. So like he waved the guy over and went and talked to him and like educated him. But like, does that piece as well, right? Where it's like, they just don't, they don't, they have no clue like what's appropriate. And some of it should be common sense. Like if you've been in the community for any length of time, like you just don't like, there's no good answer to that, regardless of what the answer is. Like it's all, it's, it's, it's all shit answers, but like, you know, you, you can't be doing it, you know, but if you're, if you're not in the community, like, what do you know? You just, you have, you have no experience and like Canada likes to pretend like, you know, the military community doesn't even exist. You know, it's so hard, like getting stuff out there. So like there, there's that piece as well. It's like, don't like, if you're a civilian, like hey, if you could help, that's great. But if at the very least you could like not re-traumatize people, that would be fantastic, right? <laughs> if you and, could not be a douche, that'd be great. Yeah, like don't be a dick, right? And I mean, like, it's, but you, we, like we got to teach them, right? People got to well, learn. It, it's different, like different spots um, have a different opinion of the veteran community. Uh, the Rolling Barrage, I rode on it uh, again. It's a coast to coast veterans ride um, yeah. on, on motorcycles for PTSD. Um, some people that are way far left hate it, hate everything about it. You know, all they see is a lot of gas being consumed and 
um, and they don't like veterans in the first place. <laughs> right. Especially yeah. not loud ones. Those are the worst. Yeah, yeah, yeah loud ones with loud pipes. They, right. they hate everything about it. If you could be a it. veteran in the privacy of your own home, that would be great. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> but um, uh, you, you see the the reception you know um in in different municipalities um mm. i've never done the coast to coast one so i have never seen it all for myself but the reception in calgary okotoks is spectacular people I are out it. on the streets um uh, there's there's fire trucks with their ladders extended and uh, a giant massive canadian flag hung between the ladders and people cheering and firefighters in formation saluting us and uh, uh, uh lines of flags people cheering you know, like it's really something else. So I would say that's a community that appreciates yeah. veterans. And, um, you know, most communities, especially rural ones, they'll have one of their roads will be named Veterans Way or Veterans Boulevard or uh, the Highway of Heroes or, you yeah. know, and there'll be a cenotaph somewhere. So there, there, there is a, a chunk there that is um, at least trying. You know, yeah. then at the same time, I was once at a Remembrance Day ceremony. I got my gongs on. Uh, for those that uh, don't know what a gong is, that's my medals. And um, uh, and one of the town councillors, so one of the politicians, came up to me and goes, Oh, are those your grandpa's medals? Like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> You know, of course, I was in my 30s at the time, but still, right. are those your grandpa's medals? Uh, no. No. <laughs> no. No. No, these aren't, these aren't Boy Scout badges. Um, right. I, I earned these. This great. Our, our chase card driver, I, I love him. His nickname's Grumpy. And, uh, you know, obviously, so the way the ruck works is the Legion puts us up every night, right? So... Like, we'll stay in a Legion Hall and they feed us and, you know, it's great. But obviously, you know, politicians come down and it, we're glad to have them. Like, sure. you know, they come out and they give a speech and whatnot. But, you know, Grumpy is so straight to the point. And he's like, man, I hate T-Rex politicians. And I'm like, what do you mean T-Rex politicians? Like, big heads, little tiny arms, can't reach their pockets. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> but, I mean, you know, it's like, you know, if you're going to come out and, like, you know, put on a big show about how much you like support the troops. Like we're here raising money guys. So, you know, that's T-Rex politicians. I'm, I'm going to use that from now to the day I'm dead. Oh, it's gold. It's gold. <laughs> I love gold. It. But yeah, no, you're right about the community individual thing. Right. I'm actually like nervous about this year. Although I, although I'm hopeful, like, cause we've had a similar experience basically. Like we've been all across Ontario. Um, over the however many years we've been doing it, like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, yeah, eight years that we've been doing it. And uh, like the urban communities are great. Like we went to Guelph a few years ago and same thing, the fire trucks out, big old Canadian flag. They brought out like, they're like, they have this like mobile armored museum. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Which is That's great to cool. have like, oh, it was super cool. And they brought them out and uh, like once they had this like big like, I don't want to call it a banquet, but it was like a banquet. Like they, you know, they filled out their giant Legion hall and it was like packed to the rims. It was a huge fundraising event. And then after everybody had gone home, they like the museum guys hung around. They're like, Hey, uh, you want to go do some donuts in the APCs? I'm like, yeah, yeah, we do. <laughs> right. 
<laughs> so we just hop in, and you know they're driving around. It was a riot, an absolute riot, right? And I mean, it's just it's just different communities, right? Yeah. And you know, then after that, they, you take you down to the 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 mess at the armories, you know, and you have some beers there, and you know, our our organization is like a a, a mishmash. Like some of them are veterans, some of them are civilians, you know, and uh, so it's it's cool, right? And then like you kind of get to you know, introduce people to like this whole subculture that exists in the country that they're just not like privy to. Right. And, you know, so like you get that on the one side, right. But then on the other side in like in big cities, you know, it's like, we've had some, some pretty tough goes, right. With people who are not super happy about us being there. Like we've had police called on us. <laughs> like It's like, guys, it's just, you know, flags and backpacks. Like it shouldn't be that threatening. I'm sorry. I interrupted your mocha latte or whatever, but like, you know, and, and what was the concern when somebody pulled called police on you? I, I kid you not. Apparently they thought so like, this was again, the first year it, there was a bunch of us the first year. It was like 20 or 25 of us. Cause we had joined forces, but people were calling in saying that they thought that we were being invaded because there was military looking guys with American flags. The police couldn't keep a straight face while they were telling us. It was hilarious. Like, we got to go, like, you know, somebody called in a complaint, so we had to come see what was going on. Are you wearing combats? No. (laughs) (laughs) No. I mean, like, some of the guys were wearing, like, utility kilts, you know? But, like, yeah, no one's in, like, battle rattle or anything. It's just, you know, it's just, like, they're just so disconnected, right? So, you know, and, and the police are always cool when they show up. They show up, and they're like, I don't, I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> they called, we you know? got to show up. We, yeah, they called, we got to show up. We don't make the calls, cool. we just respond to them. Right. It, they've always been great with us. Like, they give us escorts, and, like, the the one year we were, like, camping in parks before we were working with the Legion, and uh, we were, that's, that's how I got my nickname, LT. Like, the day was supposed to be 40K, and I got us turned around. It turned into a 60K day. And so we end up, like, camping out on, like, this, like, grassy, like, impasse on the side of the highway because we were just gassed and uh opp comes up like what's going on here so we tell them and they're like, okay well this isn't a great area of town so we'll set up some extra patrols make sure you guys are okay <laughs> appreciate it but uh yeah i mean so they've always been great but yeah it really does vary from community to community here i gotta trans i gotta translate for our uh civilian audience so <laughs> the the joke there that i think is freaking awesome <laughs> Uh, um, the, the running joke is that a second lieutenant is, uh, can't navigate for shit and we'll, we'll always, always get you lost. So that's how we got the nickname LT. Yeah. And there's been a couple of incidences since like, I'm always on point. Right. So <laughs> like there is, there's, we're, we're heading out and this was like, I think three years ago and there is mountain road and new mountain road. Right. And we got to like new mountain road. And I'm like, Oh, it must just be the same thing. And so we did <laughs> turn up there and we get to the top of it. Total dead end. Right. They just made us go up this and you know, it's not a mountain, but it's, it's steep. It's still so hill, to the top yeah. And they're like, LT strikes again. I'm like, LT strikes again. I'm sorry. <laughs> Back down. Up to the proper road. A couple instances like that. So I haven't been able to live it down, but you know, what's a nickname if it's not a little bit degrading? Well, for everybody out there that isn't a T-Rex, that, uh, that, <laughs> whose uh, arms are long enough that it can reach their pockets, uh, how, how yeah. can people help to support you? 
Yeah, so um, if you check us out on Instagram at Ruck the Number Two, remember um, there's a link in our bio there where you can go and donate. Um, it's a GoFundMe that's set up, so you'll get a charitable tax receipt right away. Um, and 100% of the funds that we raise go to Operation Leave the Streets Behind. So any of the expenses that are associated with running the events, like I just flip personally, um, so you don't have to worry about that. But yeah, if you can go there and donate, that's great. If any of you are you know, more adventurous. Um, we do a virtual road to recovery as well. So you have 30 days to complete 150 K ruck March. So about five K a day. Um, and that's 35 us to register for that. Um, and if you complete, I don't have my wallet handy, otherwise I would show you. Um, but if you finish it, you get a challenge coin. It's our official R2R challenge coin. They're all numbered. And uh, we keep track of the names of which ones get sent out to who. So if you finish that 150 K in the 30 days, we send one of those out to you as well. Um, and you can, there's a link to that in our bio as well. That is awesome. You know, thanks you so much for being here today. I, uh, yeah, I, learned, for me. I learned a lot and, uh, I know the audience learned a lot too. And I, I hope we uh, get you some more support for what you're doing. Appreciate it. Thanks brother. All right, brother. Stay on the line and, uh, we'll, we'll keep talking at, off air here. Sounds good. You're listening to Operation Tango Romeo, the trauma recovery podcast. Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in. Now I've got a favor to ask you. And I know everybody asks for the same favor, but it's really, really important. If you can help, do your little bit by going to Apple Podcasts, leaving a rating and a comment. That would be awesome. Also, on your favorite podcast platform, whether that be Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, or whatever floats your boat and blows your hair back, please click follow and if there's an option there for rating please do so and this is why every time you click like leave a rating leave a comment what happens is that it makes it easier for other people to find this podcast the help that you can't find doesn't help at all so help other people find this so that they can help themselves thank you thank you thank you and as always share share like the sugar bear because sharing is caring